Okay. The second Monday episode. What is what is this episode number? 57.5. 57.5. So we did 56.5 last week. Yes, sir. Our very first Monday episode. Mm-hmm. And very first episode with you. Mm-hmm. Alex. Alex, that's me. Um, and it was well-received, or at least I didn't get too much critical feedback. My wife loved it. Your wife loved it, so that's all we need to know. We're feeling pretty good. That's our target <laughs> demographic is definitely your wife. Yeah. Um, so that's that's great, and we're going to keep them rolling then. We thought it was going to be like a pilot, just kick it out there, see what happened, but the, the response has been positive, and we're going to keep these rolling. Um, so expect them every Monday, and I don't know how much I'm going to regret saying that. I mean, you certainly travel more than I do. Yes, yeah. You know, I'm pretty flexible, but I also don't have my last name in the co- title of the company. So it's a little, you know, it's well, different. You're you're pretty flexible, but also not as flexible because you have children. Oh, yeah. I had to say, uh, I can come over during nap time and we can record. Yeah, so we are, we are recording this on Sunday afternoon during nap time mm-hmm. at Alex's household. Yep. My household is always just work time. Sure. I've been working all day today as my, my Sundays usually look. And so we thought we'd cut this episode. We'll get it out to you. And so you'll be listening to this. Uh, 24 hours after we recorded it, it's going to be very fresh. Yeah. This is arguably the freshest Dirt Talk episode ever. I- I'm going to be editing it as they're listening to it. It's going to be real time. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully I don't say anything too bad because yeah. it's probably not going to get edited out. Yeah. It's like TV when somebody like curses on a like a sports event or something yep. like that. They're like, bleep, 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 yeah, bleep, bleep. Yeah. The little bleep button <laughs> with the 10 second delay or whatever it yep. is. Um, so we're going to just keep going with the same format. What is uh, the very first thing we were talking about was travels. Mm-hmm. And just regular build with happenings. Build with happenings. So today we're recording this at my dining room table because da, 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 the new office is getting painted. The new office is getting painted. Looks Construction fresh. started on Monday officially. I was wondering how, because I knew the floors are like, a big part of the beginning. And so I was wondering how one would do the floors and paint the entire ceiling. And turns out they paint the ceiling first. Yes. Yeah, that's Makes more sense. Yeah, painting the ceiling is first. It's a really dark ceiling. It's all original wood and it's a historical building. So everything's very dark. Uh, to make it brighter and to let the light reflect in the space, we opted with white. Mm-hmm. So it is dramatically different. I was just in there this morning and yesterday. I've been going every single day because I'm so excited As about it. I'm very excited about it. And it looks incredible. They're about half done. And then once they're done with the paint this week, they start on restoring the floors. Wow. What's the process? Uh, well, not the process. What's like the timeline on doing floors in a room like that? I don't have a clue. Are they like, uh, we'll let you know when it's done? <laughs> I think it'll only take like a week. The thing is with the floors, it's all original hardwood. Mm-hmm. So it's all historic hardwood flooring. You can't buy this floor. It's really, really special. Been there. Do you know what year the building was built? <sighs> I need to find that out. Okay. I need. I, I have a friend who's in real estate and he can dig up all the historical records. I need to do that in our building. So so that's that's the big news, big build with news. For sure. Um, we've had some new people start. We had two strategists start this week, mm-hmm. Allie and Clay. Mm-hmm. We also had Jake Schmidtlein start. Yep. And he started doing business development. And then a day later, we made him chief people officer, <laughs> <laughs> which we will explain. That's I'm, real business development. 
Yes. Yeah. He here's said, a new pro- here's a new role one day later. Well, it was the shortest he's ever hold, held a position at a company. Hopefully that doesn't hurt his resume. I told him welcome to build it and just get used <laughs> to it. <laughs> Do you want a new title? Because we might give you one anyway. Uh, yes. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's been multiple people where we hired them for one role and before they even start, we have a new role for them. <laughs> I also think that's like the, a good part of BuildWit. And that's also how we sort of like screen all our people. You know, they, they come in knowing like we're moving at a fast pace, but um, you kind of got to be open to that. You got to be flexible in terms of what you want out of um, your career and all that. I, th- I think that that's um, why everybody's had a great attitude about those sorts of things. Because it's like, oh, this is what serves... Um, our partners, this is what serves the, the dirt world. This is what serves our company. And like, I feel good about it. So let's do it. And we try to be thoughtful about it too. Mm-hmm. It's not like, like, like for this position, for example, it wasn't like Alex, now you're podcast producer. Yeah. Like, sorry, you called Bob. me. Like we, we, we kind of, you know, if, if you want it, we want you to want it. Mm-hmm. And, and then we want, we looked at like your skill set and was like, well, this aligns pretty well with the skill set as well. So if those two conditions are met, all right, we'll, we'll change. So we had a discussion with him. Chief people officer, really, really, really big deal for our business. Mm-hmm. And we will explain what the hell that even is, hopefully this week, with yeah. a podcast episode featuring Jake. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, and he's coming from a John Deere dealership. We explained that, I think, last episode mm-hmm. with uh, with uh, Murphy, Murphy Tractor. So yeah. he has some industry background. His family's in the dirt business. So that's that's uh, Build It Happenings. And, we uh, also uh, Ellie on as well. Yeah. I've never even talked to her. She's cool. I don't even know what she's doing. She's a brand coordinator. Great. Um, and uh, is she Laura, like, is she full time, part time? What's that? I do not know that answer. Yeah, I don't know. But either. she's fresh out of college. Okay. Um, and Lori raved, and I feel like anything um, Lori says is a good idea. I usually feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, she has a pretty good track record of that. It's it is surreal though. This might be the first person that I have not met or talked to or anything Ooh. coming in the company. And that's sort of a uh, chief dirt nerd kind of thing. You know, eventually you, you you can't have like a real direct hand in every hire. No, where we want, I mean, we want, we want I want thousands of people, mm-hmm. which sounds ridiculous now. It's going to happen. And at that size, you can't, you can only, like I read a book by Bob Iger. He was the CEO of Disney. Really good book. Um, shoot, shoot, shoot. They've got a couple employees. Well, yeah, only like <laughs> 250,000. We'll put the book in the show notes. I don't... Uh, the Ride of a Lifetime is the title of it. And he really only has like... I think it's like six direct reports. So he has six wow. people that directly report to him. And the organization is 250,000 people. But he has like a manageable group of people that come to him and that he can go to. Yes. So there's a lot of management theory. It's like beyond like six, eight, maybe 10 people. You can't really manage anything beyond that. So you need to create a structure that caters to a human's ability to effectively manage just a few individuals. Does that theory also say, in addition to you can't really manage, you know, more than eight to 10 or whatever. Does it also say you shouldn't manage more than eight to 10? I think it's, I, I think that's assumed that because you can't really do that effectively, you shouldn't do it yet. Most people, most companies still do. That's what, that's what I'm wondering. It's like yes. so many do anyway. But what I've learned 
also in the business world is that most companies don't necessarily know what they're doing, even if they're making a lot of money. It's this weird, you think all these companies know what the hell they're doing, and then you start to peel back the curtain, and it's like, whoa, yikes, they're just as screwed up as we are. Well, sure. I mean, there are, yeah, there are plenty of companies who start doing something and make money with it, and then decide, we're making money, but never get to the point where they understand why or how or mm-hmm. um, have any kind of grasp on um, how they got there in the first place. And then sometimes they go away. Yeah, not what we're going to do. <sighs> Hopefully not, ideally. Um, so so highly suggest that book. As far as travel's concerned, because mm-hmm. um, I don't want to keep you here all Sunday <laughs> with children to get back to. Appreciate it. We, this past week, Eric, Angel, and I went to J.W. Fowler in... Oregon and Washington. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because we were all supp- supposed to fly up there Sunday evening. My flight from Nashville to Dallas got bumped, so I wasn't going to make it. So I had to fly out Monday. Angel and Eric got to Dallas. All the flights in Dallas were just canceled for whatever reason. So they couldn't, they were stuck in Dallas for a night and then they couldn't get a rental car or anything. And then we have to check all, all of our camera equipment. Or, or or bags. And so Eric, or uh, Angel, he, he takes all of his camera, most of his essential camera equipment and batteries with him on the plane. Okay. So he has to check everything else, meaning so he has to he check his clothes. Does he have multiple Pelican cases? Yeah, it's starting to get out of hand. It's, it's really starting to get out of hand. And I, like, that's a, that's a problem in itself. <laughs> but he can't bring his clothes with him on his plane on the plane. Mm-hmm. I don't check bags because I can bring my clothes and then all my cameras in a backpack. Sure. So he didn't get his clothes until Tuesday afternoon. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That sucks. So Eric had to go to Walmart to buy socks and underwear and then Angel got some too because he didn't have any clothes. Anything. Ugh. Yeah, so we all got in. I got in Monday early afternoon. They got in Monday night, so we just pushed the trip a day. Yeah, And so we did Portland area Tuesday, went down to their office in Dallas, Oregon. Absolutely beautiful location. It's just kind of out there, away from Portland. Is that gr- is that considered greater Portland? No, it was like probably an hour and a half away like from the airport. It's a different place. Okay. Yeah, it's a ways away. It's outside of Salem. Oh, okay. Got Salem, it. Salem, Morgan. Yeah. Portland, too. I walked around downtown. I have never seen a U.S. city look that terrible in my life. Really? It's really bad. And that was, the last time I was there was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's it's super bad. Like, there's no one downtown other than homeless people. Wow. Because no okay. one's working yeah. downtown. Sure. All the businesses are boarded up with plywood because oh of all the, all the riots. Yeah. Everything's tagged downtown. It's, it's like a disaster. Wild. Yeah, it's it's pretty spooky and, and really sad. So it kind of bummed me out. And then talking to everybody up there, they're like, "Oh yeah, Portland. Like you don't even want to go downtown right now. It's that crazy. Wow. And like police cars would pass me, and they'd be all just beat to shit. And yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. And then like they go, Angel and Eric go to Dutch Bros the next day. The front door shattered because someone broke in overnight. Didn't steal anything. Just broke in. Just broke in for just for the hell of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like that's the kind of it's just. And even even Angel was like, "Yeah, I feel kind of sketched out just walking down the street." 
So that's Portland, Oregon for you. Sure. I wouldn't exactly take the kids there right now. I think that's fair. Yeah. But uh, so that was our Portland experience. Spent two days around there. Saw a water treatment plant. Okay. Saw. Was oh, that where you saw those ducks? Yeah. <laughs> the ducks swimming around the poopy water. Yeah, Got to feel good. That was pretty gross. And then they go land in your pool or whatever it is. Hey, I just don't want to be like the one hunting those ducks. Uh, like, I, I got I bagged me two ducks today. Yeah. Yeah, free duck from hunters the, out there. From the uh, water treatment plant. Yeah, just, I don't know. I, I would I would be a little bit more careful handling handling ducks after seeing that. Mm-hmm. So we saw a water treatment plant. We saw a really cool pipe ramming project under a creek, and they were just digging the shafts. They're like 50-foot shafts. Yeah. I've never seen shafts like that before. Uh, went down to their office, and then we did some road work, just some, some they're replacing like 100-year-old water line mm-hmm. in the middle of, of Portland. And from there, we went to a pipe ramming job up in Seattle under SR99 by the, the port. Yeah. And Eric and Angel wrapped up at the airport the next day. Okay. So pretty cool trip. Sure. Um, as a tunneling and underground contractor, J.W. Fowler, there's not a whole lot to see on the surface mm-hmm. because that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> so not as dramatic as, say, a North American coal or a sergeant corporation like they went to the other day. Definitely more low key, but very, very, very unique. Under un, like cool. installing these huge pipes and tunnels underneath creeks, highways, railroads, airports. They did a big tunnel under the new arena in in Seattle. It's crazy stuff. When they're doing that pipe ramming stuff, what's the like diameter di- diameter of that? Like the stuff we saw was like sixty to seventy inches. Okay, so it's pretty good sized pipe. Yeah, you could walk through it pretty comfortably. And it just, it's like a pile hammer turned on its side mm-hmm. and it just whacks the pipe across over and over again until it's through. It, yeah. It's, it's not very exciting. How long does that take? Like you said, there was a like 50 foot. Um, it took them like two days for that one. And then they, they had to stop because they ran into some obstructions. Sure. And then you have to bring the auger in, remove the soil, go to the front of the pipe, see what's there. It was old wood pile from the railroad mm-hmm. cut it out take the auger out and then continue it's it's a tedious process because mm-hmm. you don't know what's in the ground until you start whacking the pipe into the ground well yeah you can be thinking this is going great i mean we're gonna finish this you know half day early yeah and then you get in there and it's like oh there's you know 300 year old um just boulders that they pushed over the side of a hill to get rid of them and now they're down here yes well the, and speaking of seattle that's what happened with big bertha she got into a, it was like an eight or 10 inch steel environmental casing that was drilled into the ground. Mm-hmm. And so the tunneling machine just got started, was running, overheated. And they're like, oh, uh-oh, what the hell? So they go and look what the hell happened. It ran into that steel pipe. It was like like eight or 10 inches. It was not a big pipe. Yeah, Ran into it, mangled it messed up the entire cutting head so that they had to dig a pit over top of the machine because now it was in the dirt. Mm -hmm. It wasn't very far, thank God. Dig a pit over it, take the machine out, rebuild it, put it back in the hole, and then keep going. It was a two-year process. Just to fix that? Just to fix that. And it was another billion dollars. Oh, my gosh. So the, the, the project ended up being twice as expensive. And mm-hmm. then now WashDOT is like, hey, we told you that pipe was there. 
the contractor, Seattle Tunnel Partners, is like, mm, you didn't tell tell us it was there. So Pretty important to remember. Yeah, they're out the money yeah. until the court figures it out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's going to be years of litigation. Jeez. Well, a billion dollars, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't want to be out that much money. I mean, Jeez. I think they got a little bit of it, but it's like hundreds of millions of dollars that they're technically owed. That's brutal. But it's like, did they actually know it was there or... And was it just an oversight? I don't know. When there's like something that takes like that long to remedy, not from like a financial perspective, but from a like, you know, they had to dig the pit, they had to remove it, fix it, put it back. How often is um, a company like that having to do those types of um, fixes just to get back on track? Is that like something they just start thinking about all the time or? That, no, the Seattle one was like, for lack of a better term, probably one of the bigger fuck ups okay. in infrastructure U.S. history. Ooh. Like other than, uh, don't even get me started on the big dig. That was a whole <laughs> other pickle. But this was like a big deal, and that's just the stuff you have to deal with tunneling. You don't yeah. know what's in front of you, and that's stuff like these tunneling contractors, like J.W. Fowler or a Midwest Mole. It is nonstop, like very serious problem solving. Yeah, it's like we lose tons of money not dealing with this. Yeah. We could ruin all kinds of machinery. We could hurt like the existing infrastructure around this. Oh, man. That's yep. a lot going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. I wouldn't want to be doing it, but they do a great job at it. Yeah. So if you're looking for a job in uh, J.W. Fowler's in uh, San Diego, in Portland, and up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So if you're at any one of those places, give them a ring. So that is travel this week. We are, I have to run to a meeting in Knoxville, but otherwise I am in the great state of Tennessee. We do have some uh, BuildWit people in town this week, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. We have some BuildWit people in town. I don't know where Eric and Chell and Angel are going. I don't even know if they're going anywhere this week. They, I think they've got something with, uh, oh, I'm not going to oh, make it up. I don't know. Oh, I know what they're doing. Okay. They're coming to Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know who they're seeing when they're here. Well, they're doing a the biggest thing they're doing is a project for us. Oh yeah. Which is very exciting. Sure. So that is travel in a nutshell. You mean we get to focus on our own company every once in a while? Love it. Every once in a while, like every <laughs> every two years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's travel. What else do we what else do we cover last time? Um, we talked about travel. I'm just um, company happenings. Company happenings. Talk about our partners. Mm-hmm. JW Fowler. JW Fowler. Feeling good. Um, next thing was questions. We had next. some listener submitted questions. Wow. Okay. And this was to remind everybody, I've been posting about it on social media, uh, the dirt talk at buildwit.com email address. If you email us your questions, comments, concerns, this is where we read them on. I was going to say air. It's not air because it's a podcast. This is not a radio show. Uh, We read them on the Monday podcast. We answer your questions on the Monday podcast. So Alex, what are our questions for today? We got substantially more questions Mm -hmm. than we did the last time around. Yeah, we'll jump in with uh, two or three and see how we're feeling after that. Okay. All right. uh, First one from John Watson. Thanks for submitting, John. Um well, he said great work with the podcast. Love what we're doing. So wow. you got to love that. Wow. Very kind, John. 
Um, he said, I'm currently an accounting student with a passion for construction. Since most of these companies are private companies, it's harder to dissect the numbers. The financial side of me really wants to know this. Which guys slash companies in the industry are making the most money? Can you give a little background on what some of the wealthiest men and women in construction do? Genuinely curious about how much money some of these companies are making, especially because the industry as a whole has a tendency to be very private. I appreciate any insight here. Thanks, guys. John. So this is money. I, t I say this internally at the company. Money is one of my favorite topics, and it's a shame that it's not talked about in general, in society, at companies, it's just taboo, and yet the whole world runs mm -hmm. on money. Yeah. I feed my family on money. I, you know, everything is money, mm -hmm. and people like to be, you know, all noble. And no, 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 it's not about the money for me. Bullshit. I, and we're very financially transparent within sure. our business. We share all our finances internally. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in that. However, our partners are. A lot more private about it. Yeah. So I can't really say, oh yeah, so and so makes X amount of dollars <laughs> a year. What I can say is that we draw the line for our partners typically at around 10 million in revenue. So we work with companies between 10 and you know a billion dollars plus annually in revenue. Um, these these companies, even smaller companies, can make many millions of dollars because the it's it's just expensive to build stuff. You have money and labor, so people. You have money in equipment, and you have money in materials and, and, and subcontractors, too. So there's a lot of money being exchanged even for smaller companies. So most of our most of our partners are, I don't know. I don't even know what I can say here. The thing, I guess what I can say is that there's a lot of money to be made in this industry, a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of risk that you have to take on as a contractor, and the amount of money you make is typically proportional to how much risk you're taking on. So just by the nature of the business, with how much risk you take on this industry, there's a lot of reward. Um, the other thing I can say is the people making the most money are the ones that are the most disciplined with the work they take on. They're the ones that don't just bid every job and go after everything. They're the ones that actually look at, okay, what are we good at? Where have we made really good money in the past? What are those great relationships that we have? And how can we take advantage of that, cater to that market, and turn everything else off? Mm -hmm. The companies that just bid absolutely everything and are throwing darts at the dartboard, they typically are the ones that, even if they have a lot of revenue, don't have a lot of profit. Because like as a friend's dad explained to me, he would much rather have a company doing $10 million in revenue and $2 million in profit than a company doing a hundred million in revenue and one million in profit, yeah. right? It doesn't matter what your revenue mm -hmm. is; it matters what your profit is. Yeah. So the most profitable companies by far are the ones that are the most disciplined. They're they're willing to say no to opportunities. They're willing to fire customers, and they are honest with themselves and what they are good at, and are honest with themselves and what they should not take on, and they stay away from that. If I were um starting uh, like maybe a small excavation company or something like that, do you feel like that sort of discipline is even more important starting out? Yeah, I think it starts in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. You just have to get used to saying no. And that's what I had to master in the first year of business, which is why we had so much trouble in the first year. But then second, third year now, we don't have very much trouble with mm -hmm. our partners anymore because we've gotten so good at figuring out 
who is good for our business. And it's the exact same principle as a contractor. The other side of the coin that I should address as well sure. is companies that also make a lot of money are the ones that control their market and are vertically integrated. So if they have asphalt, trucking, concrete, aggregate, construction, if they have all that, they can make a lot of money because people bidding against you can't be competitive and you can adjust your margins because it's all your business. Mm -hmm. So that's that's something else I've seen is vertically integrated contractors can dominate markets and they do very, very well. Nice. I think that's a pretty good answer. Thanks, John Watson, for sending that in. All right. Uh, the next question we have is um, from Nick. Um, and I believe he's an Aussie based on his uh, greeting here. Build it worldwide. Build it worldwide. Uh, hey, mate, love the podcast. My question for you is how do you keep up with your fitness and more importantly, diet when traveling for work? I recently had to travel for work and struggled diet-wise due to my lack of a kitchen, meaning I couldn't cook for myself. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, this is something I've had to figure out since college when I went to work for Skanska on the railroad and I was away from home, couldn't cook there. And then Kiwit was away from home. And now with all my travel, I've had to get really good at not going to town while I'm at the road. Exercise is the easy one. You just make it habitual and non-negotiable. I've talked about this. So if you make it a habit, if you make it like brushing your teeth, you need to brush your teeth every day. You need to do something physical every single day, regardless of how tired you are or how late it is or if it's raining or it's cold or whatever it is, just do something physical every single day, no matter what. Like the other day, I had 45 minutes in between. Um, my, I, I got to the airport 45 minutes early. So instead of sitting at the airport for 45 minutes, I had my backpack. I had my luggage. It's heavy. I just walked in circles in the rental car parking lot for 45 minutes. It's Sounds that fun. simple. You look like a total asshole, <laughs> but... Got to get my steps. Yeah, it's just about being active every single day. 75 Hard will teach you this. If you want to learn about that, do 75 Hard. Andy Frisella's podcast, look that up. Uh, diet is the trickier one. It takes, a, I feel like, for me, it takes a lot more discipline. Avoid the alcohol while you're traveling. That's a killer. And just eat clean. There's a lot of options. Like I'll go to like Chipotle, for example. You can eat like an absolute pig at Chipotle or you could get a salad. So you get like the spinach, you get the chicken, you get maybe some black beans and then you call it good. You don't put anything else on it. You just, it's as easy as that. Pretty damn clean in the grand scheme of things. Or when we are somewhere for more than a few days, we'll run to the grocery store and we'll pick up bananas and other fruit, maybe a bag of carrots, veggies, stuff to snack on. Bars. Bars, you know, healthy ones. Mm -hmm. not, most bars are not very yeah. good for you. Bars without tons of sugar in them. Didn't Chell ship some somewhere? Yeah, so we'll, yeah, we'll quite literally ship stuff around if we know we're going to be somewhere. We'll order like a thing of Quest bars. Yeah. And I... It, and that's the thing, going back to money and being financially transparent, is like if we can order Quest Bars in bulk 
and save 10 bucks with no extra effort mm -hmm. compared to going to the store and buying them at the store. Well, let's do that. Like, let's save the $10 if it's no effort whatsoever to do that. And it saves you time for not having to go to the store. So that's how I do it is just make it non-negotiable from a workout perspective and a diet perspective. Just be careful. Like, you know what's good and what's not good. Everyone knows what's good and what's not good. It's just a matter of having the discipline to stop eating the junk while you're on the road. But most places you can do pretty healthy. I'm not saying it's always enjoyable. Like some of the salads I have at some of these nowhere restaurants suck, but it is what it is. You'll make it to the next meal. Yeah. Or also you don't have to eat three meals a day. So sometimes if I don't have an option to eat healthy somewhere, I just won't eat. Again, not a ton of fun, but you're not going to die. Yeah. And it's better than run, running and grabbing a cheeseburger. I feel like also um, just like with the the job sites that I've gone and visited, there's never like, oh, it's noon. I'm going to go have lunch now. The the, the like time for three square meals is always um, maybe a little more flexible. And so I'm sure when you're traveling and it's like not your home, just like that discipline is more important than ever to be like, well, when I do eat, you know, I need this fuel because I'm still working. Yeah. Or when I would travel, I don't know what this, his travel situation is. It could mm -hmm. be like fly and fly out, which is a lot more difficult, but well, not necessarily because they cook food for you, but uh, like I was on the railroad, for example. Mm. So I know I'd be out there for six days. So the day prior, before I would go out there, I would pack six days of food, proportion it all out, throw it in a cooler so I didn't have to think about it while I was there. Yeah. And then it's just programmed. Okay, great. I already know what I'm going to have for breakfast. I already know what I need to pack for lunch. I already know what I have for dinner. It's all the, all the thinking's done for me. Mm -hmm. So that's like when I wake up too, like my gym clothes are already laid out. It's just a little easy thing that... It's already done for me. I've done it the day before. I've planned to make it happen. It takes just a little bit of planning, a little bit of work to make it easy up front as well. Sure. Are you? Do you typically uh, like lay out stuff for the next day? Like you said, workout clothes, or um, are you going to like prepack your camera bag and put it on the table the night before? That kind of stuff is that usually you? Always or. I've, I'm, I'm not the most organized, but what I'll do is I'll, in my notebook, I'll lay out my, my day mm -hmm. the, the night before. So, so you kind of know what to expect. Yeah. Cause my time has started to get so thin that I can't just be winging it anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I do need to be more effective and understand like, okay, here's what I need to accomplish tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Monday morning comes, I'll have it done Sunday night, just one night, one night prior. And then, okay, yep. This is what I need to knock out today. Sure. Boom. It's already, it's already there. I don't need to start. I don't need to start Monday like, hmm, what do I need to do today? It's already know. already know. Yeah. So it, that's how I do it. And I'm not a fitness expert. I am not an athlete. I'd say I'm in pretty good shape. Mm -hmm. So that's just how I do it personally. Sure. Well, thanks, Nick, for sending that in. Good question. One more question. I actually have one and a half more. One and a half. Uh, I'm going to do the half one right now. Well, this is a half episode, so I Makes guess sense. this is a good place for half questions. All right, so this is actually from Dirt Talk alum, from Pat Allen. Oh, no. You know, I, I felt good. You know, he's a celebrity to me. We might have to edit this one out. <laughs> um, all right, this is from Pat Allen, uh, Dirt Talk alum. Hey, did you know that Kit, Chris Gewins, 
Um, Garrett Wilson, Ryan Chrisman, Alex Burnett, and I have been in a group chat for several years now. Four out of the five of us have a podcast with you. I think you need to get Alex on. In other news, keep up what you're doing. You're helping our industry change for the better. Also, fuck you, Garrett. <laughs> Very appropriate. I'll second that. Yeah. I wish I wish I would have known about that before and I could have intentionally left either Chris or Garrett out. Well, all, th- all, all of those guys are, you know, sometimes you got to give them shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I, when I was going through the, the uh, audio for the podcast you do with Ryan Christman last week, um, there was like the actual logical end of the podcast where you said, awesome, thanks. And you guys were kind of wrapping up and you said, well, we didn't shit talk anybody. Yeah. And then you brought up Garrett Wilson. I'm like, well, this is kind of good. We're yes. Gonna use this. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's an important part of this industry is talking shit about people. <laughs> and if you're like, that was one of the first things I learned. If people are not giving you shit, mm-hmm. if people are just treating you straight, nothing more to it, not giving you any grief whatsoever, <laughs> they probably don't like you. If you are the butt of the joke, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. That's a good. That's a very that's good, a good thing. thing. Yes. Yeah, and I, and it's also funny, like. I would have not known these guys if it weren't for social media. Mm-hmm. I, I think about that a lot of time too. Social media is such a funny thing because I would I would have no idea who these people are without it. It makes the world so much smaller. Is that that's probably how they know each other too, right? Yeah, through social media because they're not in the same place. Yeah, I mean, like I'm a total social media online noob compared to someone like Chris. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it for like ten years. Wow. Yeah, the YouTube thing. Yeah. So that. It, and that's like his videos are not even that good. <laughs> He's just been doing it a long time. He's just so comfortable doing it. You just kind of know what to expect. So damn consistent. Yeah. I, I give him shit all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause he makes them on like a little GoPro and it, he makes way more money than we do. Sure. With this tiny little GoPro compared to <laughs> our tens of thousands of dollars in cameras. Yeah. When, when uh, Angel's walking through the airport with two Pelican cases rolling behind him. Yeah. Yeah. No, Chris just has like a, a GoPro and his cargo shorts that he whips out, and it's <laughs> all you need. There's your YouTube video. Oh man! Uh, so basically, what I've learned from that is uh, we need to talk to Alex Burnett. Yes, I don't actually. I don't. I don't know if I know Alex Burnett. Well, could, apparently might, we ought might. to. Yeah, and I'll, <laughs> we'll do some research on that. We'll try to get him on. Okay. Uh, and sorry if I have met you, Alex. You probably go by some other name on the internet that I know. Yeah, he should. Every all those should have their uh, handles included. Yeah, yeah. Like most of those people, I didn't really even know. Well, Pat Allen's Pat Allen, Garrett Wilson's Garrett Wilson, but Chris, he's just let's dig. Mm-hmm. And beefy blade hand. And beefy blade hand. Um, this one is from James Doherty. Uh, hey guys, really appreciate what y'all are doing for the Dirt Game. Um, the question is, I've always been curious, what's it like to run the big excavators and equipment? It's really exciting and also a lot slower than you'd think. They go very, very slow. Very slow. Mm-hmm. They're not like your 320 size machine just whipping around everywhere on rabbit mode. They're like just nonstop turtle mode. <laughs> and they move very slow, but they move a lot of dirt as they move. Mm-hmm. So people are dumb enough to say, well, that's so slow. If you got a smaller machine that moved faster, you'd be able to move more dirt. No, uh, they, they move a lot more than the small machines. Sure. So that's just 
the reality of physics. You can't make the big hydraulics move that fast with that much material on the end of the machine. Mm -hmm. But it's still more effective than the smaller machines. So for you idiots to say that, please stop saying that. <laughs> like that, that goes back to your conversation with Bobby Frisch a couple of weeks ago. You know, they they've got their real tiny uh, baby skid steers that are like they can maneuver through a house to get to the backyard to either you know clear out the pool or whatever they're doing, and they're having to make hundreds of trips to get all that soil out of there. Yeah. Versus like you know if you had something large, I could do it in an afternoon. Yeah, it, but it, it's it there's there's a right tool for every job, yeah. and then sometimes it's like maybe it's not the exact right tool. But there's a lot of other factors. Everything's not a vacuum. It's not like, oh, well, if you have this amount of dirt and it looks like this, you choose this machine. Like, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have that machine sitting around. Maybe the the right machine's broken. I, there's so many different reasons for it. Maybe you got a good deal on this machine. Great. All right, I'm going to use this one if I got a good deal on it. Um, or if you're an operator, you're better with this tool than this tool. Like, that certainly goes so, into that. Sometimes, yeah. But all people, it'll be like a copper mine. Like a Rio Tinto copper mine. Someone will be like, well, you can do that so much faster with a smaller. You can, like, right, it'll be okay. like a PH 4100 shovel with 120 tons per pass on the, on the fucking dipper. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, like, a 374 will outdo out it because it's faster, like a 390 or, or even a small shovel. It's like, no, stop. Please stop. Like, why would, a, why would an international mining company choose that shovel for the task if it made them less money? Like, wouldn't you think they'd be doing it different? They probably have the data to know which yeah. one's working out best. Why would they spend $40 million per shovel on those if it were not the best way to do it? Like, it's the best way to do it. I, I could get into, mm -hmm. I, I could rant on that all day. <laughs> in, in conclusion, to answer the actual question, it's a lot of fun for me that doesn't do it all day. For the guys, some people think it's really boring and some people love it. So I've talked to a lot of these shovel operators, big excavator operators that just load trucks all day. They, a lot of them absolutely love it. It is totally their cup of tea. Some people need more variety. Yeah. And so they want to go run a dozer or something like that that gives them more variety. That's great. It's not for everybody, but for the people it is for, it's a really good gig. It's a very high paying gig. Those sh shovel operators in the big mines, yeah. they make a lot of damn money. Wow. And I think it's super, super cool because they're the ones that really kind of control production. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, the, they're the tip of the spear. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, good question, James Doherty. Um, uh, for our listeners, if you guys have more questions, please um, submit them, and then I'll uh, let Aaron know if uh, they're good questions or not. Dirttalk at buildwit.com. <laughs> yep. and, and questions and comments always making fun of Garrett Wilson are encouraged. Yep. So I flag those in my email so I know to read them yeah, whenever I want. Star those, put them into a special <laughs> folder, yep. and we could just keep rereading them on every podcast. I mean, eventually we're going to have like a greatest hits of uh, – you know, hate mail for Garrett Wilson. That's great. <laughs> he, he could probably say way worse things about me, so I need to be careful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so dirttalkatbuildit.com. It doesn't have to be an educated question either. It could be mm -hmm. something very simple. It could be something you're wondering about the industry, about BuildWit, about, I don't know, some random topic like rocket ships. We could sure. try to answer that kind of question. Whatever you have. Or... It could just be a general comment. We like to hear your critiques, criticisms. We're trying to make this better and better. We're trying to make it what you want. Yeah. The listeners. All five of our listeners. All five. That's my joke. <laughs> well, you on. know, sometimes it's four, sometimes it's five. 
on occasion we'll have six and that's a special week it's well things are really heating up around mm-hmm. here yeah and, and um, alex and i were talking before the podcast we have received a lot of very good feedback sure a very very positive mm-hmm. feedback it's amazing yeah to think there's some poor bastard in australia sitting in his excavator listening to our podcast and then not only that but submitting questions is somewhat humbling it's pretty cool um you know i've I've been putting a lot of content on the internet in the uh, my career as a um, internet user since I was in uh-huh. high school. Yeah, um, you know I can't even get like all the people in my family to listen to the music I released when I was in college. Well, now, now we I'm have on a the, podcast. Yes, and we have the original music on the podcast. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> so you have now six people listening. Hey, I feel pretty good. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this is all about me. So yeah, six. I was going to say and my mom, but I don't even know if my mom listens to this. <laughs> I think my mom listened to the beginning and said it sounds great so far, and then turned it off. Well, I'll have I'll have my friends be like, "Yeah, I would listen, but it's just kind of it's a little bit too much dirt talk." Sure. For me, I'm like, "Well, y- yes, it is a niche podcast. Mm-hmm. It it and we're not lying to you. It it's called dirt talk for a reason. Yeah, we talk about dirt. That's just right? who we are. That's all it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes we talk about dumb stuff like this episode sure. yeah. and probably subsequent Monday episodes. Yeah." That's really the point of these, is just to sound like a couple idiots. Yes. <laughs> We're not here to fool anybody. Nope. Oh, yeah. So this, this week's episode, uh, the, uh, it comes out this Thursday. Mm-hmm. The next Dirt Talk episode, Dirt Talk 58. It'll be 58. Wow. Dirt Talk episode 58 will be Mr. Trace Hall of Thompson Cat based in here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They're the cat dealer in my backyard. Uh, they're where we bought our machine from. They're a local cat dealer. I got introduced to Trace through Mr. Dylan Stevens at Rosso, since he is one of their best customers um, as he's buying more and more equipment from them. And they've been great folks. So I wanted yeah. to get the inside scoop on what cat dealers think about and how they sell machines. Trace is a good dude. I'd met him a, Total at class least act. one other time before then. Um, and so when you said that he was coming on, I was looking forward to that. He yeah, he knows what he's talking about. Well, so I knew he was a good guy because we had our, uh, company meeting, part of our company meeting at the cat dealer in December, early December. So we show up, we get with Kirk Harris. He's one of the sales guys there. And he sets us up with some skid steers, mini X, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then Trace comes out. He's like, you guys want a bigger excavator? Here, yeah. I have a I have a three thirty sitting <laughs> right there. That. Let me go get that. And then he's over there grabbing the three thirty, climbing it up on the piles, yeah. moving dirt all over the place so people can get in there and it's it's fun for them. And he's having the time of his damn life. He probably had the most fun out of anybody else there, mm-hmm. watching all these people that have never run equipment before run equipment behind their dealership. So that's when I knew. As Lori says, good egg. Good egg. And oh, I yeah. I can't believe I'm using that phrase. At one point, I think he said to me, he's like, this is a machine. You can't hurt it. I'm like being like really yeah. careful. And he's like, no, this is for running into dirt and rock. I'm like, got it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. If you guys had more field experience, you'd see some of the abuse these things undergo. And it's pretty, pretty bad. Um, so, yes, Trace Hall will be on on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's everything we have to go over. I want to just remind everyone one more time, questions, comments, concerns, dirttalk at buildit.com. Also, keep sharing the podcast. Yes. Tons of very positive feedback lately. Tons of very positive feedback. 
And I think the podcast is actually growing. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, I, I, we were talking about some uh, just stats recently, and I think the engagement's as high as it's ever been. I feel good about that. I, I think February was a record month. I love it. And I could just be making that up, but I think it was. Do you think it has anything to do with uh, hiring anyone to work on the podcast full-time? I don't know. Just a thought. It's to be determined. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. The jury's still out on that one. I'm still waiting for all of our advertisers and everyone to rush into the door and hand us all this money. And they're just like, hey, tell people to buy boots. Tell people to buy hard hats, yeah. which we will never do. Nope. Nope. And you want to advertise on our podcast? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully we don't. Uh, well, no, we're never going to do no. that. No. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, not what this is about. Pretty easy decision. Um, so continue sharing it. Please keep sharing it. You are the way we are growing this thing. We don't have paid advertising behind mm-hmm. this. We don't have advertising dollars behind this. We don't have big studios behind this. It's just two total jabronis sitting in my house at my dining room table talking about dirt. You know, we're not controlled by big dirt, you know, big podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're left to our own devices. Yeah. Big dirt doesn't own this podcast. <laughs> Uh, so we will see you on the next episode of dirt talk stay dirty everybody thanks for listening